Hey ladies and gents, and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. Episode 95, as always, I'm joined by Jordan. PlayStation. And Tom. Boy, get my axe. Get my axe. Uh, yeah, can't wait to hear what both of you guys have been doing with God of War. Um, I guess we'll just hop into it. Uh, very busy week for me once again. I didn't have time to play anything. Um... The only free time I had was actually spent watching Spider-Man, Thor, and Black Panther on separate days because those were the last three movies I needed for uh, my MC rewatch. So the only free time I had, I used on those. Yeah, well, yeah, that was like most important to me because obviously the the premiere, the night of us recording this. Um, one thing I want to say is I didn't like Thor Ragnarok as much as I liked it the first time. Not that I dislike it, but like in my memory, I thought of Thor Ragnarok as like a top three movie for me, and then me rewatching it. It's, it's, I think I listed it f- at finally at like seven or something. Um, I don't think the humor lands, and I think the humor lands in most of the Marvel movies, but I feel like they were trying a little hard in Ragnarok. Yeah, um, there's just some parts It definitely it feels like kind of they're trying to be Guardians. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Um, and then Black Panther was good, as good as I remember it being, and then, um... For me, Spider-Man: Homecoming was just as good, if not better, rewatching it, and then I just re-realized how like emotional the scene is where Peter gets trapped under the building when Vulture like destroys the building with yeah. a suit, and he's like crying for help like a kid. And just yeah. it's really emotional. And I thought Tom Holland's acting there was really good and saying, "Come on, Spider-Man, let's do this." And obviously, it's iconic of the comic shot of him doing the same thing. Just a very powerful scene. It's probably one of my favorite scenes in the MCU. Um, mm. Since I don't have a whole lot to talk about gaming, the other thing I want to touch on is since I was mentioning the MCU, um, I'll give you my my personal top five movies. I went through and obviously watched them and ranked them as I watched them. So nice. from five from five to one, uh, Winter Soldier is number five, uh, Captain America: Winter Soldier. Uh, number four, I have Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, a lot of people seem to like two more than one. I still prefer one to two personally. I like two a lot, but um, just one had something special about it in my opinion. Uh, Captain America Civil War was number three. Um, Black Panther was number two for me. And Spider-Man Homecoming, uh, far wow. and away, is my number one. Um, yeah, it's it's even tough for me, too. I actually went back a couple of weeks ago and tried watching uh, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. And in like just to me, they don't really hold up. And it's not necessarily like Tobey Maguire playing Peter. I don't like the set design. Like I don't. I don't think the way the sets were designed in those movies really hold up. Um, like mm. a lot of stuff in the Osborne house seems very set dressing. Like it feels like you're watching like a sitcom from the '90s or something where they're obviously on set. If that makes sense, it just doesn't yeah. ring well for me. Um, but I love Tom Holland as Spider Man. I don't need to go on and on about it. But like far and away, my favorite movie in the MCU. Um, wow. Which is funny because uh, before I did this MC rewatch, Winter Soldier was far and away my number one. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's it's uh, really cool going back and watching all of these movies. The other funny thing is uh, watching these movies, I went through and uh, ranked all of the villains in the movies. And I'm not going to give the top five or anything. Um, but as far as like the top three, Killmonger was my favorite villain throughout uh, all of the movies. Obviously, a lot of his actions are justified to some extent in he kind of wins at the end of that movie, partially, um, for what T'Challa ends up doing in you know opening Wakanda to the world. Number two, uh, Helmet Zemo uh, from Civil War. I just like a villain that doesn't need to fight a superhero with his fists. It's very Lex Luthor esque. In some stories, yeah. obviously, there's stories where Lex Luthor like gets a Krypton suit and like 
Um, yeah, now he's in basically in an Iron Man suit in Action Comics currently. Yeah. So I really appreciated Helmet Zemo, which it's a little pet peeve of my, uh, mine that everyone calls him uh, Baron Zemo, which he's not. He's actually, in this movie, he's Helmet Zemo, his son. Um, and then Crossbones in that movie, too. Though he was in the very beginning, I thought they did him well and kind of wrote him off and let him be what he was. And he was actually kind of important to the story, obviously, with Scarlet Witch um, moving his explosion and accidentally killing all those people. And then last, I have uh, Vulture, Shocker, and Tinker, the homecoming group. I thought Vulture's motivations and, like, that scene with him in the car with Peter when they're going to the homecoming dance is terrifying. It's it's terrifying. And, like, I love the use of lighting where it's, like, it's red light, red light, red light, and then it clicks to him that he's Spider-Man and the light turns green on his face, which matches Vulture. Um, Yeah, I thought Michael Keaton did a great job as Vulture. So good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. and like a close, close four is Winter Soldier and Hydra in, in uh, Winter Soldier because just seeing somebody like that, I like the the covert agent that you don't know about. Um, uh-huh. So uh-huh. that's pretty much it. The other thing I wanted to touch on is I actually um, was able to finish Ultra Moon as well, uh, the main oh, campaign nice. or whatever. Um, so at the end of the game, they have the Elite Four like every other Pokemon, which I enjoyed. It's a little bit different, um, but yeah, I. Like I said before, this isn't probably my top five Pokemon games, if I'm ranking them. Uh, oh, no. I just, I didn't like the, I liked a lot of the mechanics they introduced and a lot of the the fact that they got rid of uh, uh, HM slaves, and it's actually a separate thing where you get ride Pokemon. <laughs> I think that's really smart. Fucking turn, dude. HM slaves. Well, that's what <laughs> so they were, fun. man. Yeah. You... Cut. You would get oh. you would get a you would get a radicate and you would put strength and a bunch of other HMs on it and be like yeah dude Dolls. I mean let's slow down Dolls and talk about how like fucked up the idea Pokemon of trainer. you know owning Pokemon yeah. and making uh, them fight each other is different conversation though if we're gonna be politically correct <laughs> yeah yeah I mean but there there is plenty of Pokemon trainers die. who don't even fight either so they faint they don't die dumb yeah and there's a whole argument of like. I don't. They're not necessarily fighting against their uh, against their free will, depending on the trainer. Uh, so yeah, Pokemon for enjoy day. fucking each other up. I think. Yeah, they don't kill each other. Well, the the like normal Pokemon fights, they don't kill. They're not meant to kill each other. They just knock them out. Right. Um, right. But anyways, yeah, I didn't like the whole stop start nature of a lot of the the narrative in the game. Um, for me, the best Pokemon games are the ones that give you like a lot of narrative and then a big chunk of the game to like free roam and talk to people if you want to, but kind of explore and you know rinse and repeat. This game was very much narrative, 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 a little bit of a little bit of exploration, narrative, 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 a little bit of exploration. Like it was just stop and start over and over and over. Um, but a lot of the systems they introduced were really cool. So. If the next Pokemon game or the one of the next couple of Pokemon games is another remake of Gen 1 with all of these new mechanics and features, I'm super down. I just wasn't into the way the islands were laid out and just the, the narrative in that game personally. So, yeah. I really could not stand having to, like, take care of your Pokemon. You'd have to oh, like, yeah. brush the dirt off them after a battle or, like, rub I them ignore down that. to pet, pet them. <laughs> yeah, but it's a big stat boost. It's like yeah. you could ignore it, but to me it was like, well, I need to do this shit because it's going to make my Pokemon that much more powerful, and it is significant. So I felt like that sounds uh, cool for my own experience. I that. did need to do it, and I was like, ah, this fucking sucks because you're just not as long. It's not like quick okay. and simple like you think. Like you're sitting there for a minute, 
especially if you're going through your whole party. Yeah, and Pokemon. Yeah, the way I do it is I'm normally I'm a very grind heavy person in Pokemon games. Um, yeah, they can, they call me Brock. That's a sex joke because Brock is. Okay. You know. Okay. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I, I, I grind a lot in Pokemon games, and then I just kind of, I like to be at least like five levels over the gym leader, or at least I kind of assume what their level is. Um, some of the post-game stuff is cool. They have uh, Team Rocket coming back, which is really nostalgic. Um, and yeah, it's it's a, it's a an interesting game. I enjoyed my time with it. It was great because it's a game, because it's, it's uh, mobile. I didn't have to be at my house and be able to pick up and play a game i was able to you know get it in short bursts and that's why i was able to finish it the way i was um yeah but now that the mcu rewatches out of the way and stuff like like you said dom it was a lot of my free time that was taken up that's black panther's almost two and a half hours spider-man's almost two and a half hours and thor ragnarok i think is like two two hours and like 10 minutes so it's like six hours i could have spent doing other stuff but i wanted to do it so now that that's out of the way i have a lot more uh time and i was trying to cram him in um yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Played more of uh, Marvel Strike Force, the mobile game too, in my spare time, tapping away. Unlocked Drax, which is pretty exciting. Though I'm scared that he's going to be yes. somebody that we don't see after Avengers Infinity War and 4. I think he may be somebody that kicks dirt, but we'll see. Um, um, do you read any more comics? No. like I, I was, I, I'm still on Volume 2 of uh, new, uh, All New Wolverine, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... It, do you have anything else? No, I'm good. Go ahead. Okay. Um, so just bouncing off of some of the stuff you were talking about, I uh, caught up with The Walking Dead this week, the comic. Um, great shit, man. I fucking love that book. I, I really love uh, Robert Kirkman as a comic writer. Um, very talented, and obviously you guys know I love Invincible. Um, I'm also a big fan of Outcast. Uh, which is a horror series that he does about possession, which is still pretty early on. I don't think it's past 35 issues yet. Um, so I definitely recommend that one. Easy to get into. And then uh, he just started Oblivion Song, uh, which is um, about there being this uh, kind of like rift that opens up in America and all these people disappear into a parallel dimension. Um, that you can jump back and forth between, but the people that are stuck there don't really know that. So there's this guy trying to rescue people out of it, and there's all these fucked up monsters over there. So it's a pretty cool series so far. It's only uh, two issues in, but definitely shout out to Robert Kirkman and The Walking Dead. Uh, so much fucking better than the show, guys. I mean, I know we all watch the show, and it is a struggle sometimes. Um, and Dom, you really couldn't stand the season finale here. I thought it was pretty much par for the course. I mean, it, it's not any worse than most of the season has been, in my opinion, which is not great. And so, uh, but it's worth noting, Fear the Walking Dead. I still got to finish up season, season four, three. Episodes no, I'm going to do that soon. It is fucking dank, guys. It is dank. Yeah, so um, I've talked about Fear the Walking Dead, I think, on the show since it started and uh season one was decent two was actually pretty rough like pretty bad man um three was good and now four is fucking great so it's definitely i think the one thing about that show the thing i appreciated the most that they did and i bet they got a lot of flack for it but i was like hell yeah like screw it like they killed i'm not gonna say who but they killed the character entirely off screen a main character 
entirely off screen and you just come to find out and i was like that's fantastic because that's how that would happen way more than it does yeah in the regular show there was way too much especially with like rick and daryl like oh it's a close call or they go missing for a while and they always end up coming back like it's like you know they're not gonna die and i hate that especially this many seasons in that shit's pissing me off but in fear yeah one of the main characters they just said yeah we just killed him and he wasn't even there they tell you how it happened and stuff but uh, yeah totally off screen so I do they tell it or do they show it they don't show it at all actual flashback but like a yeah let's just do it okay Okay, son, spoilers spoilers Chris, for Fear the Walking Dead. I'm not remembering who you're talking about. Go ahead and mention it. They don't it show is. it, do they? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they kill him. They don't, but, like, he was dying. He broke his leg really fucking bad and uh, wasn't able to right. like, keep going. And so it's like, yeah, I had to kill him. But, yeah, he was already on his way out. It's probably they don't want to show a kid, a kid getting sorry. killed on screen too, right? I, I, don't know, I thought like that was cool. But I, I like that oh, show. Okay, okay. The first two seasons. I still have to get <laughs> yeah. through season three. I'm pretty oh, sorry. Uh, it just came on Hulu, so. Yeah, season three is actually pretty cool, and then season four has been great. They, they oh my god, Morgan in, which the shit that he's been doing on the main show is fucking stupid. I'm so tired of his bullshit of like, I don't kill. Yes, I do. Don't even get me kill. started yes, on Jesus. That's not sh- us, Morgan. I'm Jesus, and I'm here to. I've tell reached you a breaking not point. Who we are, like fuck off. <laughs> but Dom, I'm here to tell okay. you. I'm here to tell you, Dom, that his transition over into fear is great. It's really well done. Okay. It makes I'm gonna get sense. It. I'm going to get it going. He fits better over there, I think, and so it's really... Uh, I'm t- totally happy with it. Yeah. Hit it I've, up for sure. I have one question. I don't want to spoil it for Dom, so I'll Dom is Well, it starts in L.A. The show starts in Mexico. Where are they at now I think, in the point of view watching? I don't know where. Season 2, it are they in? in I think they're in, like, New Mexico or oh, Mexico. Okay. It's all in Mexico? Okay, I can't remember. It's, it was, like, a year ago, and I fucking watched it. No, but, season 2 is straight up in yeah. Mexico. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then okay. season three is back in America, and uh, four is in America. Nice. So, um, so yeah, Fear the Walking Dead's good. The comic so much better than the show. There's so many characters that are just uh, they've just uh, man turned into fucking That's... degenerates on the show, and are just awful to have to watch. But in the comic, they're just. They're all so compelling. They handle the characters so much better in the comic, and people get their dues, and the characters that you like um, go through tough shit. Some of them die, but it all feels uh, earned and respectful of the characters and the story, and it's just so much better. So if you're a big Walking Dead fan out there, I totally uh, how would totally you... recommend it. And it's the best piece of Walking Dead media in my uh, How would opinion. you, if you are going to start from the beginning, the Telltale the comics, games and the shows... How would you and, do it? Anything. Would you buy like those big ass compendiums or whatever? Yeah. I did it recently. I just bought a volume. I, I would volume prefer to do I, it I buy digitally. Volumes. The compendiums are like, good. You have to buy like each, the way I'm going each is book one by yeah. one. I'm like, ugh. Well, okay, so you can actually buy the whole the thing digitally. Paperbacks that uh, Jared's talking about on yeah. Comicsology. You, you can, can buy the you chunk, choose yeah. all three. You could do individual issues, trades, which are what, like six issues, Jared? Yeah. Okay. Trades are and six then issues. 
the compendiums are probably like 30 or so maybe right um but then of course mm-hmm. once you got closer and closer you'd have to switch to single issues if you're like about to catch up there's 178 right now uh 179 is coming out at the beginning of may um but yeah and the the stuff that they're doing right now is really fucking cool um but yeah highly recommend the walking dead comic highly now recommend fear the walking dead season four um on amc's the walking dead (laughs) uh so um besides that i've read a bunch of other comics but i'll i'll move on from the comic realm um actually big shout out to lock and key uh by joe hill stephen king's son um really cool comic i won't go too much into what it is but uh i heard about it from the uh kind of funny morning show comic book segments that they used to do and kept going with it and uh finished it today very very good comic so recommend that as well um, as far as God of War goes, you were asking about that, Jared. Uh, Dom and I, I think, are in I'm, similar I'm spots six, seven, on that game. Uh, what, like five, six hours in, maybe, Dom? Would you say? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say I'm five or six, and you're a little bit farther, so that, that sounds right. Um, yeah, I, I like it a lot. I think most of the people were pretty spot on with the reviews. I think it's earned its meta score. Um, we've got a lot of nice things to say about it couple minor gripes i think um you know a lot of people just talk non-stop shit uh approaching this game excuse me about how tired they were of kratos's character and him just screaming at uh greek gods all the time i get that but i also think he had a reason like they literally enslaved him yeah um and like did like some really fucked up shit to him um and then now, honestly, Dom, I like Kratos' character even less. And that might be the point. Uh, because instead of being just like a violent, uh, definitely like a, like a male power fantasy type of dude, basically a superhero, a god, um, is what he actually is. Um, instead of just being kind of an angry asshole, now mm-hmm. he's like uh yep. like a verbally and emotionally abusive father and he's like just a piece of garbage to his kid and like that's probably something that just hits close to home personally for me that I really don't like but I just don't like like kids being treated that way and especially this kid like he's a good kid he is like trying to be really helpful on this uh this journey that they're on and yeah he does fuck up sometimes but he's like 10 years old i mean some of the shit that Kratos gets mad at him about, and he's always well, mad you're, at him. You're a thousand percent right. Anything you're, nice to him. You're absolutely like, right. Dude, fucking uh, chill entirely, out, okay? I think like, the point, um, and I'm hoping, he's a I'm assuming, for his age. I mean, it's gonna, some things are going to progress in that department I'm as we get farther into the game. Um, I assume that that's... Sure. It's hard to watch. Sure. It's kind of like, damn, like, shit, like, fuck. But it is grating. It is nonstop. There is not a single moment. Actually, from like, what you yeah, told me, job, dude, and you he did, does some really great shit. Never mind, I'm not gonna say uh, it, a little atrius. I've already so, seen signs that that um, starts to change. Or atreus. It's gotta. You gotta see it naturally. Okay. Yeah. Sure. But I mean, five hours in, and he hasn't said a single nice word. You know, like, and he's like, he's riding his ass too. It's not just like he's kind of like uh, uh, giving him the cold shoulder. Like he's a dick to him, and it does get a little old. Whether or not that was the purpose. Um, it definitely has gotten old. That was uh, probably my biggest complaint, which is obviously a story complaint. And I do realize we're looking at like a 30, maybe more hour long story, but uh, I definitely yep. feel like the story is sparse. Like there's 
they're giving you very small chunks and you just have to like keep going with it now i'm okay with that because it is a great game and the environments are beautiful um so it's fun to keep progressing and following that story but it does get a little tedious sometimes where like you feel like you're just getting into the meat of a cutscene and it's fucking over um so then a couple other little complaints i think that um the combat is not as good as the original god of war games i think um it's a pretty great combat but the combat in the original games is lightning fast and it's very arcadey and you can do a lot with it you can really experiment with it and do a lot of different things and that's not it's not that you can't do a lot of stuff with it here it just doesn't feel as responsive like i don't know about you dom but his dodges and his rolls like i don't feel like they're as snappy as they need to be like i feel like i'm i'm hitting a button and i'm still Playing getting too much hit by guys that i should be getting out of the way of um it's just not as snappy i guess is the word yeah well that i've been like thinking about that i'm like dude Mm -hmm. this shit would not be happening in bloodborne like you can hit that button in bloodborne and you're fucking out of there um there's like some enemies that it's it to me especially uh looks bad on um it it looks really weak on like uh in the uh realm of alfheim the uh the light elves realm um, you're there's like a war going oh, yeah. on between the light and the dark yeah. elves, and you're fighting a lot of dark elves, and they're so fucking quick. Like they just they fly around, they zip around you, and I just feel like the combat is not allowing me to keep up with them. Like a lot of times, I just have to sit back and throw my axe at them, because if I try to get in there with them, it's not snappy enough for me to hit them with my axe without just getting pummeled um, by three or four of them just zipping in there and fucking me up. So. Um, that would be, I'd say, my biggest complaint as far as combat goes. But there's a lot of fun aspects to it. Um, the axe, they do have a lot of diversity yeah. of what you can do there. And um, throwing the axe is even more fun than I thought it'd be. It's really it obvious. Really, like, why hasn't really that been cool, done like this before? Uh, huh. Mechanic. Yeah. Um, sure. Well, I think it's hard to make that into your game. Like That cannot be something that's easy to program, especially calling it back from... Mm-hmm. anywhere that it could go um i do like the environmental puzzles that they use that's definitely something that's brought over from the original trilogy and is well used here especially with the throwing your axe there's a lot of puzzles around that um and then my only other complaint i do like the game quite a bit i feel like i'm focusing on my uh negatives but i mean <laughs> yeah the game has a 95 on metacritic so you know the discussion has been had as far as positives um my only other complaint is that um, shit, it's slipping my mind. It's going away. It's flying. The boating. Um, uh, You're anti Kratos with the beard. No, he looks cool. The shit, dude. He looks fucking dope. Oh yeah, that that actually helped uh, spark my memory. Thank you, Jared. So the RPG aspects. You can fucking tell that this is Santa Monica's first RPG. Santa Monica is clearly a very talented studio. One of Sony's best, easily. Um, obviously with their pedigree of the previous God of War games, which are some of the best PlayStation games of all time, in my opinion. But the RPG elements, and this is like an RPG light, it's not a full-on RPG, but you can fucking tell that this is their first swing at the at the plate because um, there's a lot of stuff that's just a little bit uh, convoluted. And um, the way you customize things, like you have, um, you know, you have your axe, you have your armor, which has several different pieces to it. 
Then you have Atreus, who yep. is uh, basically almost like a secondary weapon, if you want to look at it that way, the way that you can use him, um, like a ranged, secondary ranged weapon. Yeah, um, but then I don't you like have, that like, either. You have a rune, and then you have like a modifier, and then you have uh, certain extra... Pa- yeah, you have like this extra power, and then you have a modifier to that. And there's all these just kind of little extra little stats that are in there that make it too convoluted and a little too... Um, like the webs are just kind of uh, intertwining there. The the wires are getting crossed a little bit. And I do feel like it could be simplified and it would make things a lot better because I'm constantly in combat and I like in games like this to try to, to flesh out the combat and be versatile and use the variety of the systems that they give you. Um, but there are a lot of times where I'm like, oh yeah, I totally forgot that I had this extra bonus modified random attack that I'm not using because there's just a, there's a few too many layers that are kind of stacked up on top of each other in a lot of places and and uh, like I said I think that's uh, just evidence that it's you know it's their first RPG and it is a lighter RPG but it's it's an RPG nonetheless. Yeah, I, I definitely agree and, with that uh, last piece. There's, there's in, yeah, uh, there's like some of the what, what you would call like stuff, slots so. in, in other RPGs where like you put a rune in a slot to you know enhance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of games do a it. Lot like, this game um, isn't it's not great at it. It's a bit confusing and, and that and that gets annoying especially when like you don't have much money and you're trying to decide what to buy or what to upgrade and you're not entirely sure how things work in it. So that was a little frustration right. there. It's I mean, I'm sure it takes time and I'll, you know, figure it out, but at first it's definitely like I don't really know what to do with this crap. Yeah. Yeah. See yeah, that's the thing is I can definitely figure it yeah. out, but it's taking me like two to three times more longer than it would in other games where I'm like having to like teach myself and like remind myself and read a lot of stuff where I'm like, I shouldn't have to be going this far to just get kind of the basic. Yeah, the, the one thing, the, the one I positive I do want to throw in, I think is, I is super like the biggest thing to me. Um, if you guys remember like back when I talked about Uncharted 4. Uh, and all the Uncharted games and The Last of Us as well, how they, they blend the gameplay into the cutscenes and, and all those cinematic elements and all that, this game does it ten times better. And then the gameplay itself, and the gameplay itself yes. is also ten times better, which I really like. It's very The seamless. gameplay in Uncharted and The Last of Us. Yeah, but this is even better gameplay, just then, the, you know, the combat, the puzzles, the everything. the Naughty Dog games. And then, yeah, the way it's blended yeah. into the, the, the cutscenes and how it all works together and Especially that that first fight, that first boss battle, I think like was the best showpiece of like, you're in the middle of a fight and like you push the certain button and then without even cutting, you just go into this finishing move that looks like it's all of a sudden a cutscene and you're not no longer in control and then it but then it comes back to you. It's, it's I don't know how they do that kind of shit and that's that that impresses yeah. me like, a whole ton and this game just to me it, it just one upped everything Naughty Dog has been doing in that regard. It's it's unreal. That that battle that you're talking yeah. about is fucking awesome. It's it's a total superhero battle. You know, it's like it's like watching uh, Superman fight somebody. It's really fucking cool. Um, it is very seamless, I'll say. But the whole one shot thing, oh, I love the it. whole game it's, it's is just fantastic. one continual shot. I'd say is actually I'm not into that choice so much. I think it's cool. Like, there's certain movies that do it. Birdman is a great example, even though Birdman's not actually one shot. It just is made to look that way. But I think it is kind of to the detriment here because 
they have, you know, they did motion capture, like full motion capture for these characters. And so every cutscene, the camera is handheld. It's like never on a tripod, right? And so they're like following these characters around. And I've noticed like, I'd say a good 75 to 80% of the time, you're looking at Kratos and Atreus's backs. Like you're following them. And of course you're in the gameplay, you're looking at their backs because that's how third person video games work. And then, like you said, it flows seamlessly right into a cutscene. They do a great job at that. But then you're just staying on their backs, and then you kind of see Kratos' head turn, and you, like, look over his shoulder and can see him. But there's a lot of moments, like, you know, it is like the father-son dynamic, and there's one moment where Atreus needs comforting, and uh, Kratos is about to pat him on the back, and then he pulls back. And you see his hand there, so you get the general gist, but it's like... I want to see his face right there. I want to see the emotions on his face. And there's a lot of moments where I'm like, I want to look at their faces here and see what, how they're feeling. Cause you know, in, uh, in film and now they're basically trying to mimic film in these cutscenes. you use people's faces. Like in theater, people are a lot more emotive because not everybody can see the tiny little muscles on your faces moving. But in film, you're so close up that, everyone can see the tiny little muscles moving and so you can be a lot more emotive just with the way that your face looks and you're i feel like you're missing a lot of that in these cutscenes. and like i said you're just looking at their backs a lot so um because since they're walking around handheld camera style they're not gonna like seamlessly go into this cutscene. you're looking at their backs because like i said you were just in third person mode playing the game and then you're not going to have the camera guy just like run around in a circle to get in front of them so that you can see their faces so it's just kind of the way that that has to operate because of the nature of the beast of what they did with the the one cut and the seamless transitions and the the handheld camera on the motion capture so um it's you know in like naughty dog games for example which yes they are kind of trying to mimic especially with the storytelling aspects you're looking at the characters' faces, and especially The Last of Us and Uncharted 4, I'd say. There's so many really tight facial animations that these actors are portraying in the motion capture, and there's so many unsaid things that you're picking up on that I do feel like can be lost in God of War. Um, and then just real quick, the, the Last of Us comparison that you made, I do feel like this game, um, in the way it's portrayed visually, can be a little take a little too much from the last of us and just naughty dog games in general and i'm not the first person to say that people are starting to notice that a lot of these sony first party games look very similar like uh days gone kind of looks like a poor man's naughty dog game um horizon zero dawn even has a lot of those elements in it so i'm worried that we get too far into this and you know we've got detroit coming up we've got last of us part two we've got spider-man and I'm just hoping that, you know, these Sony exclusives aren't all looking like they have a certain template that they're adhering to. Almost like the Marvel Cinematic Universe where they have to kind of have a certain vibe about them, even though they can be their own thing in different ways. So I'm a little worried about that, but it's not anything that's totally detrimental. Uh, Dom, what about you? What are some things you want to say God about war? Say about God of War. It's just, totally it's just God like about it, war. It just, God about war. And uh, what else? everything a video game should do. And it does them all really well. It's, you know... Like, yeah. go, again, I go back to when, when me and Jordan were going back and forth like, on Uncharted 4. Like, awesome. Jordan's like, yeah, the, the gameplay, though, is kind of like... 
you know, it's good, but it's not great, you know. But this, right, and it's one of those games, uh, and then you look at, like, Fallout, where yeah. it's like, oh, the, the world and the RPG elements are great, but then the shooting's not that good. And, like, most games, you know, suffer in at least one part of what they do. To me, this game yeah. is just, it's everything. It does everything, and it does it all pretty damn flawlessly. Yeah. Um, and I can't wait to, like, get the rest of the story yeah. and unlock yeah. more of the, the combat, because it... There's a lot that right. gets a lot deeper. Like you can see the tree of your upgrades and stuff. I'm like, oh, I want to start messing around with that. But um, it's just, man, it's just like, as far as a, vi- it's like the natural like video game right. that, that you might, how you might think of it, right? It's like the progression of like a, I don't know. It, uh, you think of the original God of War game and like where video games are going. Like this is just like a natural progression of the of the video game medium in the perfect way, if that makes sense. It's not trying to like do something purely just cinematic it's just yeah. it does everything that like it's just such a video game that's all i can I, I just keep going back to that but it's good it's great yeah, yeah well, it's like, really great one of the biggest compliments i've seen is that god of war yeah, doesn't really introduce yeah, anything new it just does everything we really know about you know, to the best that you've ever seen it you know like one yeah, little, little feature that's like oh that's fun i mean the axe thing is pretty new but i don't know it's You've thrown things before in games. I don't know. Oh, it's it's so satisfying. It's yeah. But it is very fucking cool. I'll say that. Like it's awesome. Also, real quick, um, if you're a fan of the series and you've been playing these games, they they they'll treat you well. It's uh, obviously very different from the original trilogy and then the the spinoffs, but. Um, there is a lot there that you'll feel familiar with and there's a lot of stuff that um um like light fan service none of it's like over the top there's very um it's more subtle but uh like the fates got mentioned at one point and kratos says to atreus like the fates are not to be trusted and he's talking he's referring to god of war ascension when he fights the fates that's basically the that moment with the world serpent and uh so (sighs) stuff like that they just i'd seen it before in like a trailer or something but then when it happened i'm like yeah probably because i have i'm like sitting like four feet in front of a 60 inch 4k screen and all that and like this is it also does a great job of like all that new technology and the graphics and everything really help it out too so yeah it's a good showcase of like that stuff can help um you know the more powerful system yeah yeah. Uh, Playing on a pro with HDR is fucking dope. What resolution. what a choice did you guys make? In the beginning, it tells you if you want performance or yeah. frame rate or what is it? Resolution. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I went with resolution as well, which is not what I usually do, especially in third-person action games like uh, Neo, for example. I definitely want that higher frame rate because. Um, because of the nature of the game, especially more difficult ones like that. Um, but with this one, it does look so goddamn good, and I did want that um, that super yeah. sampling. So it's not like uh, fully 4K, or I guess not 4K super sampling. Or it's, you know, it's, whatever. Uh, checkerboard 4K. Halfway there, and then it does that trick again. Um, so I did. Right. It's pretty much yeah. 14. I mean, there's no, there's barely any then, like yeah, the rest straight up 4K games yeah. running on PS4 Pro. And then checkerboarded into 4K, which the checkerboarding 4K is is very beneficial. Like it is makes a big difference, and you and you are really getting a great experience. Horizon was a great example of that. But uh, um, also, so far. I think it's pretty easy, yeah. don't you, Dom? I think it's a relatively easy game. Like I'm barely dying at all. 
really just the bullshit with the dark elves um but there's a lot of challenge in the former god of war games so the the dark elf much. i think you know with it being a longer the dark game, elf I'm boss sure that you're probably spots, coming to shortly for the most part i've said got me once or twice but that that was the first time that i was truly challenged um yeah but we're still early we'll see yeah no yeah yeah uh did you play anything else great Tom? game let's move on no uh is there anything else you want to say yeah. about better word or do you want to move on to the news no I, i'm glad we got to uh talk a lot about it obviously i was i was pretty wordy there but you know it's a big old sony exclusive and it's it's a special game so great game so far oh yeah it's going to be an important release at the end of the year so good to hear you guys better far about it um yeah so far i'd say game of the year for me which it's just funny to be like yeah we're early yeah. it's just funny in video games and you're like oh yeah we're early on yeah we're about six to seven hours in you know it's always yeah. funny to hear that yeah. yeah um let's hop into the news here so uh the first couple of news stories are actually game announcements um by some they have a lot of interesting ties for the most part so that's why i'm bringing them up uh, none of them are extremely large games they're not AAA by any means but they're very interesting um indie games so the first one is storm divers which uh is by being developed by housemark which is one of jordan's favorite developers um yeah so what we know about this game so far is that it's the first game post their studio direction shift. If you guys remember yep. last year, they talked about how arcade is basically dead. There are games that they they're making that focused on arcade gameplay just weren't selling, and for their studios to survive, they needed to make a shift in a direction where they could see more success. Um, the thing with Housemark is their their level of quality and craftsmanship has never been questioned. It's just that their games don't sell, which is really unfortunate. Um, so this game, uh, Storm Divers, is multiplayer focused, and it was actually concepted three years ago and it started production two years ago. Um, and one of the interesting things is in the Eurogamer article, they uh, had an interview with the Housemark head of publishing, uh, Mikael Haveri, and he stated, you can compare it a lot to of multiplayer experiences you have now. Uh, and then uh, the Eurogamer interviewer stated, I remarked sounding like Housemark was doing a Fortnite game, a battle royale game and he said that's a very good assumption so it seems like storm divers is going to be a battle royale-esque or uh influenced multiplayer game um storm divers makes sense uh in battle royale games you dive into the map usually from the air and there's a storm that encompasses the map into a little circle um they're they're very good developers like their games always do really well critically i'd be interested to see their take on this um this also could be PlayStation's answer to PUBG if PUBG never really comes over to PlayStation. Obviously, Fortnite's doing well and it's on all consoles, but this could be PlayStation's little slice if it ends up being another... Is Housemark owned by Sony, Jordan? No, that's one of those, kind of like Quantic Dream, that okay. has always people have always talked about them. Uh, it would be good for them to own, but I, I think they're one of those developers. I think Quantic Dream's the same way, where they, they choose to stay independent. Yeah. What do you think about... Does this interest you? I know you're not super into Battle Royale games, but House Mark making one, does that take the needle in, at all for you? So, um, we don't know for sure that it's uh, Battle Royale, correct? Uh, well, he said... So, in the interview, he stated, it sounds like House Mark is guess. making a Fortnite game, uh, a Battle Royale game, and the uh, head of publishing said that's a very good assumption. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I'm sure it'll have elements of that stuff, even if it isn't straight up... Uh, Kind of like how Fortnite is to PUBG, basically just a copy or whatever. Um, 
yeah, I'm certainly sad that they're not focusing on arcade games. It would honestly be nice if this uh, became such a successful uh, Battle Royale game that they ended up being able to have a few people working on going back to arcade games on the side. They're smaller yeah. games. Um, obviously, that would be far enough in the future that it's nothing to look forward to right now. I'm not holding my breath, but... Um, yeah, I think I think I'll end up playing it either way, even though I'm really not into multiplayer games, and there might even be a single player aspect because you know, like Dead Nation, Alienation, they're I'd say they're more meant to be played with with multiple multiple players to get yeah, further on in the game. Solo. But fun. you know, you can try it on your own. They're just hard as shit, um, a lot more challenging. So yeah, it's just it's like there's certain aspects where you could feel later on in the game like. Yeah, this is probably meant for two people, you know, to kind of, like, have your back, somebody to watch your back for you. Um, definitely a challenge, but all their games are. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm still excited for it. I'm just glad that the company survived. I mean, you know, it's it's a good business decision for them to say, well, as opposed to just, like, driving this thing into the ground with our regular arcade games, we're going to try to shift it up and, and see... Uh, what else we can do here and and i hope that saves the company i definitely wish them the best one uh small thing though uh mm. i definitely okay. i know personally i'm already getting this game confused with hell divers um, <laughs> and hell divers is a hell divers is a multiplayer top-down twin stick shooter that looks like it could have been made by housemark so storm divers and hell divers i definitely think that's going to be a bit of an issue obviously it's not going to fucking ruin the game or anything but um, you know, you definitely want like your search engine optimization and just like the mind share that you uh, have with people to to be going to you, and we'll we'll see if if that causes any confusion. But yeah, well, the interesting thing too is this can I think it will have a unique housemark take on it because um, it was concepted three years ago and it started production two years ago, which is before the PUBG yeah. craze. So though they might well, be pivoting some aspect. Too. Yeah, they though, though they may be like pivoting some aspects of the game to kind of fit in with uh, the audiences who love those games. I think a lot of it is going to be uniquely housemark, which is going to be very interesting. Um, yeah. This, the second game announcement here is Eleven Eleven Memories Retold. Uh, this is an interesting game. So it's being developed by DigiX Art and Ardman Studios. Ardman Studios is the studio that created Wallace and Gromit, um, and it's Fuck. being published by Bandai Namco, which is very interesting. Uh, obviously, yeah. they're a Japanese publisher. Um, yeah. So it's a story-driven narrative adventure set in World War One. Um, if you're not familiar with 1111, it's actually the date of Armistice Day, which was at the 11th hour they signed the Armistice, which was uh, um, signed by the Allies in Germany to stop hostilities on the Western Front during World War One. Um, a big part about this that v ties it in very well with World War One is that the game director for this game was the lead content director on Valiant Hearts. Um, yeah. So he has a lot of familiarity with telling uh, an encapsulating story during that time period. Um, so it's very interesting. It has a um, the trailer has a very painted aesthetic to it. Um, yeah. Obviously, Ardman Studios fantastic at what they do. They're very a very talented studio. Um, if this guy was even connected to Valiant Hearts in any way, we already know how great that game was. So if Ubisoft doesn't you know <laughs> keep going with Ubisoft, we never get a Child of Light two of Light or a, a Valiant Hearts sequel. At least we're getting this, and this may be something to keep an eye on. So. Uh, there's no yeah. there's no release date for this. I would love if this released on November 11th, just to match yeah, it. Yeah, that'd be that'd be yeah. pretty cool. I I wouldn't say that's too far out of the, the possibility. Man, just 
quick shout out to Wallace and Gromit. Like, yep. I'm pretty sure the creator just died recently, which I was pretty sad to hear because I was hoping that we might get some new Wallace and Gromit. It felt like it was about time after several years ago them putting out a movie, but uh, I fucking love Wallace. They did have that recent movie that was released early, man, about the caveman and stuff that starred uh, Macy Williams from Game of Thrones. Right, but uh, not it's from the studio, but not Wallace and Gromit. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Just tangentially uh, related. Sure. Sure. Um, So the third game here. Uh, is Eastward. This one caught uh, my eye because it's being developed by Pixbull, which this is their they're at uh, Hong Kong-based studio. It's their first game, um, but the thing that really got me interested in it is it's being published by Chucklefish Games, who they're the developer of Starbound, and they also published Stardew Valley, and they're also publishing the Witchbrook game we talked about earlier this mm. year, which kind of looks like Stardew Valley, except it's Harry Potter. Uh, it's like witchcraft oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Eastward... Same developer, right? Uh, exactly, yeah. Eastward uh, is being obviously published by Chucklefish, and it they describe it as Zelda meets Mother, and it's exactly that. It has a very chrono-triggery, mothery, classic Zelda aesthetic to it. Maybe not classic Zelda, but definitely Mother and uh, um, Chrono Trigger. Chrono Trigger. Um, obviously, SNES vibes. Yeah, but a, a lot smooth, like more smooth, not as like grainy. Um, very, it looks like a, a modern adaptation of that. Um, the story centers around dual characters. So you're switching back before, uh, between them. Um, adv- it's an adventure RPG, obviously. And the one cool thing about it is they describe it as soft sci-fi. And it's like... It's, it's hard to describe. It's like post... It's like Fallout meets Blade Runner. Kind of like the post-apocalypse yeah. meets like the future sci-fi, but somewhere in the middle of that. Like, it's not super future tech. Um, yeah. The music is incredible, Jordan. I think you would love the music for this game. The music they featured in the trailer uh, trailer is very good. Um, it's just a game so to keep their own. Eastward, the name Eastward, of this game? exactly. Yeah. Have to check um, it out. Yeah, and it's it looks very interesting. We'll probably be talking about this later on. Uh, I it's currently Mac. only for PC and Mac. No release date. I assume this is going to be a game that comes to Switch. Um, I would hope so. Yeah. They, well, they always list that PC and Mac um, for a lot of these indie games. Um, very happy to hear all the things you were saying about it. All, it. Like, the combination of all the different things you're describing sounds really cool. So, well, I mean, like some of the some of the the, the things that they show, uh, there's like a weird like house that's like made in the inside of a of a dead like sperm whale, and then there's also like they go like Ooh. underground into this really cool subway system. It looks very interesting. It, it's. Is really cool. I, I it caught my eye and I was like, oh, and it's being published by Chucklefish, which they have a really good track record. So uh, interested to see what Pix, uh, Pixbull has to showcase for their first game. Um, let's hop into the two big stories. Uh, we'll start off with Valve. Um, as we know, Valve doesn't really make games anymore. They just sell them to the masses on PC. But we had some interesting uh, news last week. Um, but Jared, wait, wait. What about the Dota card game, Artifact? Yeah, that's that's in the works. Um, also, their their Steam uh, Steam boxes that kind of came and went. It's supposed to be a yeah. thing and never happened. Um, but last week we got the news that they bought Campo Santo, which is kind of crazy yeah. for a, a multitude of reasons. One, Campo Santo is a successful indie studio that didn't really need to be purchased by anybody. They had a lot of success with Firewatch, which was released in 2016. Um, they're guys that came from Telltale. So they already yep. knew about working with a bigger publisher and stuff, so it seemed like they were kind of wanted to do their own thing. On top of the fact that, like, Valve doesn't really make games anymore outside of the Dota card game. Um, they, don't, they haven't really released anything new. They haven't really published anything new. Um, so it was strange to see this. 
some of the information if you're not familiar obviously capo santo made firewatch they're currently making in the valley of the gods which was showcased i want to say at game awards 2017 um yeah that sounds right it's obviously the two women going through the ancient egyptian pyramid and stuff with the camera um right and it's scheduled for a release sometime in 2019 um Valve came out and said that they plan to leave Campo Santo intact as a team. They're not touching them. They're not adding any members, nothing. They just don't want to mess with them. Um, the studio is also going to be re- relocating to Seattle, which is interesting. Um, and if it's I weird, man. Correct me if I'm wrong. She I think Campo weird. Santo was located in San Francisco, but I could be wrong about that. Um, and Campo Santo came out and said that Valve had become an obvious match for the studio. And a quote from Jason Trier's article, because after he had reported this, Campo Santo reached out to him. Um, they stated, both sides spoke about our values and how when you get right down to it, we as human beings are hard limited by the time we have left when it comes to making the things we care about and believe in. They asked us if we'd all be interested in coming up to Bellevue and doing something there, and we said yes. So it seems like, hey, they're going to give us a ton of resources to finish this game faster than than we thought we could. Um and I think that's the thing. I think the hard limited by time is they want to be able to create these games but not, you know, release three of them in a 10-year span. If they're smaller indie games, they want to show people what they can do, right? Yeah. Um, I'm looking at where they're located. So maybe, where yeah. They're, where uh, they're located. Uh, they're not adding what were we going to say, Just uh, funding, probably, to, you know, to... resources yeah okay. but they could add they could have okay. a team helping them but they're not adding anybody to the campo santo team they're not restructuring that or anything so I, I would assume that it's we have people that can help you but if you don't want people or if they don't work out don't worry about it you're not like contracted to keep certain individuals or whatever so i think it's like help if you need help kind of thing san francisco jared you were correct yeah also uh bellevue is where uh sucker punch is located awesome and this is another i think another part of this is being able to afford it is san francisco is expensive to run a business let alone live so it's like not only not only can they relocate to a cheaper place they can get valve's resources and like outside of like outside of microsoft sony uh i would say yeah sony probably has less resources than valve does in terms of uh bank account but like still it being attached to any of them gives you mad resources on top of being able to move to you know, seattle instead of san francisco like i wonder yeah, how they're, that they're works probably saving a lot of money always, and the money they save about, could be used you know, to hire more people if a company for makes team. you move to a bigger city so. you know they're going to give you a cost of living adjustment right they're going to increase your pay to right they increase it never it never actually matches the extra cost of Do living they decrease it like <laughs> double or triple your salary right but but then if you move away what do they decrease it like that can't happen right so that's why i'm curious like yeah. they p- cost savings on you know uh, rent or yeah. you know well i mean it may be like moving to a cheaper city but well they already have they already have the overhead to manage like yeah the space right. and all that stuff so i think that the salary thing wouldn't change because they already have them set in that so it's kind of like just a morale thing of like we're moving to a place we have more overhead in terms it's of the money we much, can use for other right, things. You're basically telling you like, you're all getting a raise. We already had that budgeted, like significantly, and it's a morale thing. Even though you're yeah. not getting more money, it's kind of a weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like an opposite yeah. raise. Well, they've got. It <laughs> yeah. was saying on Wikipedia they have twelve members, so they could have all just sat around right. the table and gone, "Hey, right." Like, We'll yeah. essentially be making more money here because we're not spending five dollars on a jug of milk. You know? Exactly. Yeah, 
And Seattle isn't necessarily like Montana, but it is mm. cheaper than San Francisco. Almost everywhere in yeah. the United States is cheaper outside of like New York City and L.A. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's – anything else about this? I think it's strange that Valve bought them, um, but we're hearing rumblings of Valve maybe entering the market again in terms of making games and stuff, which is weird considering we've seen the last couple of years um, lead writers for some of their biggest games leave. Uh, one of the Half-Life writers left. Uh, one of the Left 4 Dead uh, directors left. Um, this could be maybe instead of making games, they're just going to be buying some studios to have them make games instead. I don't know. It's very strange. <laughs> this could be a, a tax thing, too, of them having companies release games and stuff. You know what I mean? So if they purchase a, a studio and have them release games, it helps with that kind of stuff. Some weird business back end. Um, I just hope this doesn't end up negatively affecting Campo Santo at all. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I don't know, doesn't people are like directly it. correlating this to, oh, Valve's back to making games. I don't think that's necessarily what this is. I think it's that it was a it was a good business opportunity for both parties. Some, yeah, they're they just investing. I don't think this necessarily means that Valve is moving to making, purchase yeah. all a bunch of indie studios, you know? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Um, I think that's it for that. Let's get into the last story. This one's pretty interesting. Um, so Tatsumi uh, Kimishima, who was the current Nintendo president, is actually stepping down effective June 28th, 2018. So this is right after E3. Wow. Um, That's short, man. He was not there very long. Well, here's oh, the thing. Part of the story is he was actually always meant to be an interim. He was never meant to be a permanent solution mm. to Iwata passing. Yeah. Uh, so he will be replaced by Shuntaro Furukawa, uh, who's a current board member for both the Nintendo and the Pokemon Company. Really, really interesting mm. there because he has a hand in both of the two of the biggest parts of Nintendo. Um, he, Furukawa is 46, and he'll be replacing Kimishima, who's 68. So there's a 22-year gap there, um, which is important for somebody who's going to be the president of one of the biggest companies in the world. Um, and 46 was actually the age that uh, Iwata took over as president. So that's pretty interesting there, too. Um, Iwata had a lot of success with the Wii and stuff, and obviously the Wii U is um, n- not so great. But I think this, this change in leadership... Uh, was expected. Nintendo always stated that Kimishima was an interim uh, president for the company, and um, Furukawa was actually appointed by Kimishima. He was his choice. So that's really cool as well. Um, I want to get into some other Nintendo news that came out during their investor meeting, but what do you guys think about this president shakeup? Is it obviously he was interim? Um, how important is it that this guy had a foot in both Nintendo and the Pokemon company in terms of being a board member? If anything, I think it'll be just beneficial because he might have buddies over there now. You know, yeah. he might be friendly with a lot of the guys that work there, so he can be like, "Hey, let's get this done." You know, let's like figure out a deal here because there's definitely times where the Pokemon company doesn't seem to want to be. Yeah, these are also quite the situations you, you gotta expect, look at sometimes. Uh, Nintendo, uh, so we'll where see. where a CEO yeah. is also a board member on these different at these different companies, and like, you know, that's where sometimes things get shady. I don't think that's going on here at all, but. It always makes you curious, like, oh, he's also a board member over at this place, so is he making decisions as CEO? That, you yeah. know what I mean? Uh, but I think, yeah, like, being that this guy's only 46 years old, um, yeah. and that Kimishima was 68, I didn't realize, I guess it makes sense that, uh, I mean, that's getting up there, dude. Like, you probably are making good money, and it's like, you're 68, you're like, what am I doing this for anymore? Like, you know? <laughs> I don't know, does, <laughs> is he outright retiring, or is he just doing something else? Or, I don't know. Yeah. Well, well, okay. Uh, he's going to be an advisor. He's moving into an advisory role. Um, it, the interesting thing, too, that I didn't include in this report is the uh, president of uh, Nintendo of Europe is also stepping down. Um, 
They didn't really have a whole lot of information about who's replacing him, um, but he's also stepping down as well. Yeah. Uh, Furukawa being 46, I Definitely. think, is great for the, the Nintendo market, having a closer relationship with what's currently happening, you would assume, hopefully, uh, more than a 68-year-old man. Uh, he's a little baby, baby more old school, but we'll see. Um, but cool in that stuff. investors meeting, not only did they announce all this president shakeup, they also talked about their sales, and there's some interesting numbers here. So as of March 31st, the Nintendo Switch has sold 17.79 million units. So uh, in a, a, Which about is a year, a little over on a year, they sold PS4 uh, 17 million, almost year, 18 right? million units of the like Switch. Just a few short, uh, and in Jesus. half a million short or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Nintendo forecasted will sell an additional 20 million Switch units in the next 12 months. So they're Jeez. assuming by this time next year there will be almost 40 million of these in the wild. Uh, you assume Smash Brothers and hopefully that Pokemon game will lead to that. Um, the other numbers that they released, so Super Mario Odyssey is the first Switch game to pass 10 million units sold. It's at 10.41 million units, um, which is insane. Uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is at 9.22 million. Bravo. Zelda Breath of the Wild at 8.48 million. And Splatoon 2 at 6 million. So it's interesting to see here. Yeah. It's interesting to see here that Mar Super Mario Odyssey, though, it had. Uh, what? October. It came out. October 27th. Did it come out in December or November of last year? Do you guys remember? Odyssey? Uh, it was October 27th. It was the date. 27, yeah. Yeah, so. Zelda yeah. had a seven month uh, lead on it, and obviously it showcases how, how well Mario sells. Um. 17 million units and 10 million copies of Mario sold. I mean, it's evident. Um, really interesting. Uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe uh, selling as much as it did, too, for it being a port of a game that people already had on Wii, the little people that did have it. It's crazy. Um, also included in this are bundled copies and downloads, so it includes everything. Uh, what I want to touch on with this, uh, with you guys, is A, do you think Nintendo can, do you think their forecasts are right? Do you think they can sell 20 million Switch units in the next 12 months? If so, what's going to help sell those units? Because we're not really sure what's happening uh, in the next year in terms of big releases. And uh, secondly, do you think there will be a game that will sell more Pokemon. than Odyssey on, on the Switch at all? In I the long Pokemon. run? Maybe. Probably another Mario game or Pokemon, yeah. Yeah. And... I also yeah. think you're talking about not knowing what's coming up. I definitely think they're about to blow stuff out at E3. Um, we've got Mario Aces coming up. What the fuck is <laughs> up? We don't and know about then, Fire yeah, Emblem. Think, we don't know about Animal Crossing. Yeah. We I think there's going to be Smash. two, two maybe even three. And I think third party is going to blow uh, the doors off too. I think Bethesda is going to make some huge announcements this year. This year. So. Who knows who else? Right. Well, we've got, they just announced the date for Wolfenstein 2, so there's yeah, there's a lot uh, of stuff coming. There's also there. rumor that, sorry to interrupt you, there's also rumor that in You're September, good. when the online uh, service launches, that uh, Epic's going to be launching uh, Fortnite along it. Uh, I, mean, I have, it, I have so. one particular prediction, yeah, we can I save it for like three episodes. Big, yeah. right? I think Bethesda so, do you think, do you, one good port that's going to be a pretty big deal. I'm gonna, two, actually. Okay. Two. One current and one old. Fallout 4. Are I they going to be old games or Fallout new games? Three, I think, definitely is coming. They're probably going to do the whole remaster on all the current, consoles, as in including Switch. Interesting. I think Fallout Shelter comes out on Switch before Fallout Three. What if that they just did a Fallout collection it, with New Vegas and Three and remastered it for all the consoles? I don't think that could. 
I don't think that yeah, could they're fit small. on. They're I don't think it'll be a physical release for Switch if that happens. I think it'll be a digital. Well, you just have two carts. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's interesting. Um, but both you guys are. You guys think they're going right? to hit twenty million in the next year? For sure. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I think so because an additional. Start, yes. Like, so by next good, year they'll have almost forty million units. The hard in the part. Wild. Sure. And then you know um, from there it gets easier to sell more because you've already sold so many and it's the talk of the town and and then you got more games coming because. Yeah. It just builds, yeah. I mean... It's the talk of the town. The crazy thing is, like, if if Super Smash and a lot of other games come out, they could potentially reach this without Pokemon coming out, which you're looking at 2019 having a, a console out there with 40 million units and the first Pokemon for that console hasn't come out, or handheld. Dude, That's pretty impressive Pokemon's for Nintendo. Gonna be and it's going to exponentially... Gigantic. Yeah. The, and the thing is, is, like... Huge. Optimistically, we're hoping that it's a new take on Pokemon, or at least an evolution. And the pessimistic side of this is like it could just be the step that we that we should expect, which is a slight be upgrade, a, yeah. right? And even if that comes out on Switch, yeah. that'll still sell gangbusters. People might not be happy about it; it'll still sell like crazy. So you're talking about Pokemon? Yeah, I think. They've said that it's a new generation, haven't they? No, uh, well, no, they haven't said that it's a new generation. They said it's a new. I Pokemon. thought they said it's oh, it's eighth gen. No, but they even haven't. If it was, that, Jared, I think uh, the bigger point was like I'm pretty sure you know, that not a got huge like, graphical, functional, you know, leap in. You know what it looks. Like. If it's still like kind of like the top down, mostly, you know what I mean. It could still look not that far from the 3ds games. Yeah, I think it was on like a flyer that was talking about like get ready for the eighth generation. Of oh, yeah, it was on a magazine. Uh, basically, that magazine was outed oh. because they've they've showcased information in the past that was completely wrong. I know what you're talking about. It was it was a section of a magazine and it had a picture of Pikachu and below it said Pokemon on Switch. Get ready for the eighth generation coming to the Nintendo's new handheld or whatever. Um, okay. Basically, that that magazine was at a, a convention that happens in Europe. And previously, like three other times, that magazine has mentioned things that were supposed to be in the next Pokemon game before it came out, and they were wrong. Um, not necessarily in the complete information, but certain sections of it were just misinterpreted or misunderstood. Um, so basically what people said is it could possibly be that it's 8th generation, but if you look at their track record, there's some language in this passage that's wrong, whether that be 8th generation or the fact that it's coming out this year. Something in that passage is probably mistranslated. Um, it does say official Nintendo magazine, though. It Yeah, it is an official release by Nintendo, <laughs> yeah, but it, they, have, they have given incorrect information. Well, that's fucked up. Yes. It, there, was a whole, there was a whole thing explaining it that, like, people got so excited. I forgot what it was, but it was for uh, Sun and Moon. They confirmed... I forgot what it was. Off the top of my head, I can't remember. There was something about uh, Sunny Moon that they confirmed, and then it was proven to be not true. So, NintendoLife.com says, while this information comes from, quote, an official, Jeez. unquote, source, this magazine has made some errors regarding yep. <laughs> future Pokemon releases in the past. We therefore recommend taking this information with a small pinch of salt until any announcements come from either Nintendo or the Pokemon company themselves. Yeah. Um, for that, in my personal opinion, being somebody that's played a lot of Pokemon, if it's a Gen 8 game, I think it's not going to be... It's going to be, I think, a graphical upgrade, but I don't think it's going to be the revolution people expect of an open-world Pokemon game or something broader. 
I think when they do that, Dude, if we just have stars on there, I'm good. Like, give me something, you know. Yeah, I think the the soft reboot or the remake will be the one where they go wild because they have everything in place that they just need to adapt to a new gameplay system. I think yeah. if it's a Gen Eight, I think it's just the small upgrade that you I think it's a whole new thing, happen. man. I think they're just gonna like um, blow the world yeah, open. If that makes sense, just it's, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. full on like third person, you know, almost like way blow it out. to the on, character, yeah. full 3D world. I can just see it happening. Like it's gonna be a huge deal. I want to, I want to tell you, Dom, to like you know lower your expectations, but the other side of me is like I really hope you're correct. It's like it's a very tough thing. I mean, yeah. I could I could eat my words, and it could be that I just knowing the way Pokemon operates. If it is Gen Eight, I think it's more likely to not be that upgrade. But if we hear like, oh no, it's like a remake of Gen One, or if it's like Kanto Region, yeah, no, I'm probably wrong. Like, oh, you know, just then like, my brain sparks. Just like I assume that uh, the next like we'll we'll Black see. Ops Four won't have horrible microtransactions and you're like mm, you have too much faith <laughs> and so i'm probably wrong about this one too but i could just see, i could just feel yeah. it like this is the switch mm-hmm. they're like nintendo is back let's i'm listening to too much michael huber uh i'm just getting into this i could just see them just blowing the doors off with a whole <laughs> new like pokemon is back but yeah. it's like it is just huber revolutionized hi? now come check this out motherfuckers like let's go Yeah, I, I would love that. Um, because, like, even with the limited... I don't think the 3DS is as powerful as people, like, think it is. I don't think it's a very powerful system. But yeah. what they managed to do in upgrading Pokemon throughout that was pretty impressive for the technology yeah. at hand. I really hope they take advantage of the extra room to breathe with the Switch. Um, yeah. It, it's going to be interesting to see what path they take. I guess that's it for the news. We'll be talking about what we're going to be playing. Uh, I'm going to be going to Infinity War premiere tonight no obviously i think all of us are seeing it this weekend um jordan and i Very early and yeah well I, i'm gonna i'm gonna provide you with some i help. know who he um, is some, yeah doesn't know who captain america is my god don't no he knows who he is he just doesn't know the his character uh, arc i actually know what is captain america's steve rogers uh, birth name iron man Fucking, uh, oh, nice, cool. Iron Man? I know you. You put me on the spot. I've seen all the Iron Man movies. I actually, really like Tony fucking ones. Stark. Tony Stark. Come on, boy. Thor. I have no idea, man. Just Thor, right? What is Thor's birth name? Yeah, son of Odin. <laughs> I don't. Know. Yeah, yeah, Thor, Odin's son. But yeah, yeah, Odin's son. Um, so as far as what I'm going to be playing, uh, like I said, I don't have to do the MCU rewatch anymore, so I have a lot of time to game. Um, so Wolfenstein 2 is the only thing I'm focusing on. That's the only thing I even am planning on playing. Um, I don't have to dedicate six hours a week to trying to catch up on Marvel. Um, gonna be reading comics. Um, oh, I got access to, uh, a couple of interesting games. Uh, one I talked about last week. Sounds kind of cool. And then the other one is a game called Monster Prom, uh, which sounds very interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've heard of it. Uh... I, I think it's like a dating sim. I haven't even actually looked into yeah. it, but um, yeah. well, the thing I do know is that it was uh, partially produced by Jesse Cox, who's a pretty big YouTuber and Twitch streamer. And he's uh, his his sense of humor and his the things he likes and dislikes are very close to me. So him backing this game as a producer and believing in it gave me a lot of hope for it. So I'm interested to see uh, what it has for itself. Um, in terms of 
games. Does, and nothing re- big releases this week, right? Off the top of my head, I can't think of anything crazy. We had God of War last week, obviously. Yeah, I don't think there's any releases of importance, right? I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah, the only release we have is Monster Prom, and then uh, Ashen was assumed to release on the 30th, wait, 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 wait. which was that cool Dark Souls-esque indie game on Xbox's stage last year, but that got moved to the it? summer. So I'm assuming that'll be part of their... Okay, alright. Yeah. It's like the faceless characters, right? Yeah, the faceless characters, and it's like uh, Journey-esque multiplayer where you don't know who are the NPCs and who are the people that, uh, the guys that jump into your game, and has like Dark Souls-esque monsters in it. Um, that was set to release this week, but it got pushed to the summer. Um, oh, yeah. And I think the next big release is the Tropical Freeze port uh, off the top of my head. Dom, are you going to be in on Detroit? Not. Yeah, no, I'm definitely waiting for reviews. Absolutely. Because um, it could be I crap. Think I'm waiting for reviews. It could be amazing. This is, even with what we heard about it so far, it could go either way. But ultimately, I'm wait- yeah, I want to wait for reviews. Yeah. Plus, I'm going to be playing, you know, God of War and, and Dark Souls throughout that period of time when Detroit comes out. So that might be one I pick up on sale later if it, if it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm almost always, I'm almost always day one on Sony exclusives, but this one's, um, I actually enjoyed beyond two souls, but still, you know, quantic dreams, I still think is hit or miss. Um, and of course they've had all this crazy shit going on at the studio. So, We'll see. It looks like a, a decent game, but I, my biggest worry is just that it's like, okay, there's a lot of sci-fi out there right now already, talking about uh, our androids. Yeah, I, I like that human. stuff, and I've not, I'm not consumed as much human. as you. It's literally called Detroit Become Human. So you know, it's like Westworld then, and Blade you know, Runner. Also, part of me, we've already got so as much a, of that you shit. Know, you know, cynical and like self-victimizing Detroit Lions fan. Like it's Detroit versus everyone, and everyone's out to get us part of me says like i need to buy this game because it has detroit in the goddamn title not that that <laughs> necessarily means anything oh no you don't know about <laughs> people from but michigan you don't even live in detroit live, like, up you north, just live in or even in the right? ritual suburbs of detroit i'll say they're from detroit and you know what i mean no. <laughs> wow question in this future detroit that's in the game did they finally fix the flint michigan water situation or is it still <laughs> the way it is in that's, real life that's fucked up that's fucked up man yeah god of war, um, god of war. what are you guys gonna be playing though so we can get out of this what are you guys gonna be more god of war i assume yeah god of war and of course uh this week jared sees the release of one of my most anticipated films of 2018 Oh no! Not Avengers: Infinity War, Batman Ninja. Oh yeah, that comes out this so, week. Yep. Uh, yeah, well, it's already out. Actually, I just watched it. Um, I liked it quite a bit. I definitely think it's really fucking cool. The way you know this character designs by um, the guy who did Afro Samurai, which I'm a huge fan of, and it really comes through the the Batman Bat family and uh villains designs are so fucking cool with their like sam excuse me samurai garb a lot of great stuff there um i kind of wish it was animated in 2d because it's uh 3d characters on 2d backgrounds the 2d backgrounds are gorgeous uh, the 3d characters are pretty great but like the lip syncing is pretty rough um for the most part and 
Um, it just doesn't always gel. Um, but there, are, there's actually a couple sequences that are animated in 2D, and they look really fucking good. So I kind of wish that was the case. Um, but for the most part, I'm definitely satisfied with it. It's another great addition to the DC uh, animated movie list. Unfortunately, uh, Suicide Squad Hell to Pay just came out uh, recently as well, another animated film by DC, and uh, was pretty disappointing. Um, not nearly as bad as Batman and Harley Quinn. It's not trash like that, but it's not very good. So um, I was sad to see that because I love Suicide Squad and the last Suicide Squad animated movie they did, Assault on Arkham, uh, which is actually part of the Arkham universe from the games, uh, was really fucking good. So it's kind of sad to see that this one wasn't. But uh, Batman Ninja was dope nonetheless. Just wanted to give that a shout out. Um, yeah, about to go see... Uh, Avengers here in just uh, several hours in IMAX. Very excited about that, especially since this movie is uh, like the first Hollywood film to be shot completely with an IMAX camera. Um, very pumped. Of course, we've been talking about that for for a while now. Um, and then, yeah, I'm going to be diving back into God of War. Um, and I'm getting uh, closer to finishing Invincible. Uh, which obviously I was singing the praises of Robert Kirkman earlier, so you know how much I love that shit. Um, but I'm past issue 100. There's 144 issues now um, that it's ended, and uh, I've been reading some of the the spinoffs and stuff that are about the Guardians of the Globe. Um, so really great stuff. Love it. If you like superhero comics, that's a great one. It's a really cool universe that he's created. So no, that's um, that's, that's what we got, man. I'm watching Handmaid's Tale. Awesome. Outside of God of War, you this one. It is fantastic. It's nice. absolutely yeah. It's on my it's, list to watch. I'm really yeah. excited to That's, get to it. Jordan, I think it's especially up your alley. So, um, well, I, I was actually going to say, the second season just started. I've I've There's actually a book. Uh, seen the whole first season. I uh, have read the book that it's based off of, which is by one of my yeah. It's one of my favorite authors actually. Uh, Margaret Atwood, the reason I found her is because a different trilogy of hers was supposed to be adapted into an HBO show by Darren Aronofsky that never got uh, finished. Uh, it was eventually cancelled, unfortunately. Uh, but then they did obviously Handmaid's Tale. Um, I don't think they completely nail the book. I think there's some vibes in the book that they don't completely nail. Um, also, I don't really like the color palette of the show. Um, I think it's just off-putting for me, uh, but for the most part, it's a well-realized world, and it's very well acted. I will say it is very well acted. Um, so watched yeah, them last I'm night. Excited! They've just released the first two episodes of season two, so I'll be jumping in watching that. Um, but yeah, I do love, I do love the the world that at least Margaret Atwood created, where it's like um, just kind of a quick synopsis. It's like this um, kind of like post-apocalyptic almost. Um, there's still like a government, basically like there was a government coup, um, and so now there's this like totalitarian government, um, and they have problems with, uh, fertility, and so they have these handmaids that are basically, um, just like baby carriers for these higher-ups in this totalitarian system, um, that live as like maids, obviously, in, uh, these guys' houses, <laughs> and so then they have these rituals where... Um, the husband no, no, stop, and wife stop, 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 stop. I don't, I don't know anything about this show. Yeah, that's like first blind. episode. You're like, what's going on? But yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, anything. this is like really basic stuff. But yeah, 
I know I know zero about the show. Definitely, I just, I definitely heard it was good it. and I wanted to hop in, so I want like nothing. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, you're good. I I have to stop people a lot when they say <laughs> shit like that, so I can. Really, 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 really. I was like, I was giving you some rope. I was giving you some, and I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> I just I want to know absolutely nothing. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well, then you're in for a treat. I'll just say, it's fucked up and dark. You'll see. Hell yeah! Uh, that that Punisher and Legion are my next go tos in terms of things I want to catch up on. Fucking um, Legion, man! I've been meaning to mention that on this show. Shout out to Legion. That shit is so fucking trippy, and has gotten weird as fuck. Like the first season was weird as shit, and somehow season two is even fucking weirder, and it's still great. Shout out to Legion. Uh, thank you guys for listening to episode 95 of the Controlled Interest Gamecast. If you can, please follow us on uh, iTunes and leave a review. It definitely helps the show out. Also, subscribe to us on YouTube. Even if you don't watch the video version of this podcast, it definitely helps us out. Uh, you can follow us at Twitter at CTRLINT. That's Controlled Interest Abbreviated. You can find Dom at Dom's Oreos, Jordan at Melomotus, and me at Jared underscore, because the guy with just Jared hasn't used Twitter in two, since 2012, and they still haven't deactivated his account. <laughs> and I'm not salty about it at all. Yeah, uh, good, good thing you're not bitter, huh? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, catch you guys next week. Uh, Jordan probably won't be on, but we will have a guest in place. Um, so, yeah, catch you guys nice. next. Bye.